Right. This is take two of this recording, just to uh, prove that we're we're not, you know, we're we're professional level here. But uh, Gabe had a problem with the levels. <laughs> sometimes it takes. He said a couple it sounded of like garbage. <laughs> I told you I've been coming into my own as a producer. I, I gotta I gotta have my levels right, man. Gotta keep it sexy for for the folks at home. Fun uh, piece of information. Fun for Gabe the fact. Uh, Gabe's levels. We, we consistently have to turn down, and still, he's that loud in your it's, ears. It's so fucking true. This, that's, that's not a joke at all. And, uh, yeah, if there's ever any, like, fuzziness on, on the pod, it, it is because I am blowing out one mic, uh, and we just can't, can't account for it. Yeah, sometimes we have Gabe stand ten feet back, <laughs> uh, and still... He's louder than us on the podcast. That actually is how Pauline likes me to watch comedy specials with her. She likes me to watch them from a different room uh, so that I don't laugh too loudly in her ear. It can be very jarring, she says. She sounds terrible. <laughs> that, sounds, that does not sound like a good partner, Gabe. She's the, she's the just right partner. Uh, the, the fact that she'll let me be in the other room laughing uh, is, is a testament to her. You know what you love about her? <laughs> she calls you on your shit. And you need that. She keeps it honest. Keeps it real. Yep. That's what uh, you need in a partner. Anyway, uh, we're excited to jump back in with uh, this week, month, years... Uh, education news? Yeah, yeah, we're in May. We're, we're coming close to the end of the school year, J-Man. Yeah. Uh, Getting close to summer plans. Oh, yeah. Uh, best yeah. summer ever. Yeah, I'm going to day camp again this year. You you doing sleepaway? You, I'm, you heading up into the Catskills for I'm, a little dirty dancing or anything? I'm, I'm going to do a sleepaway camp this year, and... I made a pledge to myself that I'm not going to come home early. Because <laughs> I'm a brave boy. Uh, That's good for you. Yeah. That's good. I think this could be a big year for you. Yeah. yeah. My mom says she thinks I can do it. I have good, I have very high hopes. Yeah. Um, did you ever go to sleepaway camp, Gabe? I did. I, I loved sleepaway camp. Sleepaway camp, to me, was the, the best thing. It, 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 was, it was really what life was about. Like if I couldn't have sleepaway camp, I I was not, I was not about this existence. What and did you love? About I had a hard transition once I realized that I couldn't be at sleepaway camp for the rest of my life. Um, what did I love about? I I, shit. It was just the all day of like autonomy, really. Like, mm. I mean, you know, mind you, you still had meal times and like we had we had periods where we had to be engaged in activities. But, like, it was just a lot of fucking downtime and, like, really socializing. That's the hardest thing about prison. All the downtime. All the downtime, yeah. yeah. But you but this is that. But this is downtime outdoors. I think that if we transitioned from, like, incarceration to outcarceration, like, just, like, day camp, or not day camp, but, like, like sleepaway camp style prisons, you know, like, just all outdoor time, I think they'd be much happier. Um... Well, you know, yeah, right. I guess that's not what people want, but that's part of the problem with our prison industrial complex. But anyway, I I just yeah, I I adored camp. Um, I was I was a whole seasoner. You know, I was there for two months straight. Mm. Um, yeah, 
And if my parents, if my parents didn't show up on visiting day in the middle, like I would have been okay with that. Um, but then how would you have gotten snacks from the, the nearby supermarket? Oh yeah. I mean, you ate some stuff to hide away in your bum. It was good. It was good. Absolutely. It was good to get another surplus of candy, uh, right then at the beginning and, and get that out of the way. Oh, did your parents send you care packages? I mean, I probably got I probably got one package a summer, like period. Like and it was the greatest day of my life, but that was as much as I was getting. I was not one of those people who was getting a plethora of packages. Tell talk to me about your package experience though. I can't remember whether I got packages or not. I probably did, but it's more that like it only just I only just remembered that that's, like, even a thing. Oh, my God. Just a box of candy that you send your kid while they're away at camp. Oh, see, that's interesting. See, ours weren't... We weren't allowed to be sent candy. Oh, what would they send you? Oh, they would send us, like, you know... I remember getting ramen. No, I remember getting ramen once. Um, I remember getting, like... It might have been candy snacks, whatever. I don't know. You know, like, book or something, like... I don't know, but... Goodies. But, like... Our, at, at my camp at least, um, getting packages was a big deal because they would literally read the names out of people who got packages after lunch. So everybody got to hear if they got a package and were loved that day or if they didn't and had to just like shamefully walk back with their fucking lame ass mail. Um, and then you would be inspected. You would then go to a central location where you opened your package in front of other counselors and like if they thought something was hiding candy there would be just a full on inspection like oh let's get inside my this sister's thing. camp had a similar thing i remember <laughs> i sent her uh, i hid a bunch of candy in boxes of dove soap okay like remove the soap Brilliant. put candy in it very sent good. it to her very good she held on to that the rest of the summer came home and was like, why did you send me boxes why did you send of me soap? soap? Oh my god. And then I was like, they're filled this with was, candy. This and is my clever attempt. Yeah. Oh my god. And I couldn't mention anything because <laughs> yeah, you, would be listening. You can't, you can't write it in a letter or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough. It was, it was tough being, you know, a, uh, a, a, uh, what am I thinking of? A Dennis the Menace type at, at summer camp. Because I do, I do recall, well, I do recall a summer where I did manage to sneak a shit ton of candy in with me. It must have been at, at the parent vacation in the middle. And, and I had the shit on me. And I remember thinking a brilliant idea would be to, to, you know, eat a little bit here and there. And then to discard the wrappers, because I felt very paranoid about being busted with wrappers or like, the rappers being seen in the garbage and then like having the bunk, the whole bunk just be like raided by counselors, you know, looking for contraband. I thought, I know, I will flush the rappers down the toilet. Oh no. And this was a very good idea for about a 72 hour period. And after that 72 hours finished, and by the way, I had also convinced everybody else in my bunk that this was what they should do with their candy wrappers too. Um, just a whole fucking bunk full of, uh, Dennis the Menaces there. After about 72 hours, you couldn't even flush an, a, a perfectly clean toilet without the entire thing overflowing. Because apparently we had fucked the septic system that much 
Uh, and I remember our counselors taking us out back to where the new septic tank had been dropped into the ground and opening that thing up and all these candy wrappers floating to the top. It looked like a shit-filled magic eight ball where, like, you could kind of see candy wrappers, but you could also just see raw sewage. And, and they stood us over it and asked us point blank. They were like, so who's been flushing candy wrappers down the toilet? And none of us would cop to it. We all stood there like, like oh, complete... you're supposed to unwrap the candy? <laughs> I've been eating the whole bar and there's been wrappers in my poop. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe that was it. Yeah, actually, how the fuck do they know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're a dumb kid. All comes out in the wash. No, but we all we all stood there mute like uh, like little mobsters. And then uh, I remember I remember breaking the the picket line there and saying, you know what, you know what, it wasn't me. It definitively wasn't me. But I will help remove the shit covered wrappers what? from the tank. No, what's well, wrong? Oh, because they were gonna make us. I mean, like you had they to, were gonna make us no matter what. They made you clean out a septic tank. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. This is a terrible camp. <laughs> It was my favorite place on earth. I mean, it was I, heaven on earth before it got shut it down. Is, even if it is your bunk's fault, like even if they knew that definitively, it's inappropriate to make a bunch of kids shovel shit out of a septic tank. Well, also, I think it's pretty inappropriate to like create such a like paranoid state that you have kids flushing, you know, plastic garbage down the toilet. You know, uh, uh, that that probably had some, you know, lasting effects on me and just my, my overall eating habits. Probably. <laughs> but that's not about education. No, 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 no. But you know what is about education? College. College and college acceptance is definitely about education. And it is that time of year, right? People are getting their, their acceptances. Yeah, what an appropriately timed segment. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so this segment comes to us, uh, or at least comes to me, at least courtesy of foxnews.com, of all places. Uh, but it's a story that I'm sure many of our audience members will be familiar with. Um, a North Carolina teenager who was accepted to 113 colleges. 113 different colleges. I think it broke a record. I'm sure it broke a record. Um, otherwise, I don't think it would be very newsworthy. But do we know what the record previously was? No. I fe- it, it feels to me like the previous record, like this could have been one of those like, you know, Jesse Owens kind of things where it's like the previous record was so little compared to the, you know, it could have been like the previous record was 45 and this is, you know, What's it's the just blown in. between Jesse Owens' record and the previous That motherfucker was fast. No, I know it was fast, <laughs> but like... Was he, like, so dramatically faster than the previous record? I I honestly couldn't tell you. I'm pretty sure he just smashed all them white boys, though. So, you know, gotta give props. Um, But, yeah, I I do feel like the previous record couldn't have been more than... It couldn't have been over 100. We're not talking about, like, you know, she beat it by two days. You know, you know, uh, like, yeah, she crushed this fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's wild. And she got four and a half million dollars in scholarship? That's correct. In merit-based scholarships that she applied for. 4.5. 4.5 million dollars in merit-based scholarships. It's a lot of scholarships. Uh, It's, 
it's fucking crazy. I mean, girl went to town. Like, good for her, good for... And she apparently only spent 135 bucks on application fees. Which, yeah, is is crazy. What do you remember about application fees? Like they were like 50 bucks a pop. No. See, I thought, I thought they were like $10 a pop. Really? But like none, you know, you're not getting that thing back if, uh, if you don't get in. Yeah, but that's $10. Was it as low as $10? I think there were definitely some that were as low as $10. Mm, bargain squeeze. Yeah. I mean, well, you read something about, about the Common app that, that like... Well, I didn't, I actually, I was wondering, so when reading about this case, I saw that she did something with the Common app where she got to apply to a whole bunch of schools for free. And I don't know what that is. I don't remember that from the yeah. common app myself. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I... Which is, like, if you have to fill out a common app, and you don't have to do any more specific information to get, like... Then why not click 40, all the fucking boxes? Yeah, just yeah. say, let these 40 other people come to me. And, yeah, and we can we can joke about bargain schools, but, like, absolutely. Like, we're, we're assuming if, if you have no fee and you're on the common app, like, yeah, on some level, these might be just, like you know, local bargain schools, you know, at the, you know, state level, like, Yeah, I, well, whatever. I imagine it's schools that don't have enough name recognition that allowing people to apply for free would mean that they're inundated with applications, right? Like, the issue, like, the reason that, you know, Harvard would not make their application free is because if it was free and you didn't have to do any extra work, I think loads of people would just click yes. No, well, I'm more. sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not going to stand by that because I'm not, no. I'm, no, 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 because I, I think it's, first of all, w- w- what are we saying an application fee is for? An application fee is not so that my full application is read, right? Because, uh, because we know that there are so many hoops to jump through on these things that, you know, even if we said Harvard is changing their application fee, it's a zero fee, you know, then they're still going to look right away at everybody's SAT score and, mm-hmm. and cut out, you know, 95% of the, you know, chaff. And then, Absolutely. And then they're going to look at this, and they're going to cut out another bunch. So let's not pretend that even if they were a part of the Common App, that their process wouldn't be super fucking criminally easy for them and that their fee means anything. They're, they're just trying to take advantage of people. Come on. What is the fee for? The fee is, I think, largely just to um, make sure that all applicants are relatively serious about applying to your school. Like, you don't want to have tons and tons of applications from people who have applied to tons of other schools for free so that then you have, when you decide who you accept, you have no real sense of how serious the applicants are. You so, want people who... I get it. So fine. You don't want you don't want every schmo out there to just click the yes box, you know, uh-huh. the select all box at the top of the common app, and then immediately apply to the 16,000 colleges that are in this country alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that... Okay, I get that. That, that makes a certain level of sense. Um, but at the same time, this, you know, whether it's a $10 fee or a $50 fee, it, it still just feels like there has to be a better way of, well, you could do it by having ascribing a really... somebody's, somebody's level of investment in their application you could better really than monetary value. You could have a really difficult and complicated application that is specific to your school. Right. And that 
you know, requires a time commitment from anybody at all. And that's the thing that they already have, right? Harvard is not on the common app. I don't believe right? so. No, they're definitely not. It's not an I don't believe. You don't have to think about this one. They're not. Know. There are a bunch like, of schools, fancy schools on the common app. Oh, I'm not saying there aren't, but I, I'm, I'm highly doubtful that there are a lot of private and IVs that are on the common app, you there know, are a lot of, of that schools on the common of app. that level. Like I'm you know, of the of the you know, fifty thousand dollar uh semester plus level that we're talking about. And so what I'm saying is there are so many of these things that are not on the common app already who do have wildly crazy ass, you know, application processes, you know, and are mostly selecting from you know the the early applicants and the the, the early decision and the the this decision and the that decision and the Can cohort I slow and whatever. You up real quick, just all right. Just all so right. you know, shut uh, me down. Here we go. Uh, schools on the Common App include Stanford University, Fuck. Harvard University, Fuck. Yale University, Fuck. Princeton University, Fuck. University of Pennsylvania, and Brown. So there, that might be all. That might be all the private schools. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they have supplements to the common app, but you have to. Do well, it. they have to. Yeah, yeah. They're they're not just taking the, the fucking you know multiple choice. But answers I think the common app the common was app. like only a few years old when we were applying to schools. Oh, it's definitely new. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine it's only become more widely accepted since, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm I'm sure it's become more widely accepted. I'm also sure it's gotten more intuitive. You know, hence this person being able, oh, hence like this girl being able to, to use, to, to use it to apply to, you know, over 50 schools at once and, you know, and get 113 acceptances. Now, I, I, I do have to come back to something, uh, that we haven't touched on yet, which is she can only go to one of these schools, right? I mean, I yeah. haven't been out of college that she's long that Bennett. she's going to Bennett. Uh, I, I haven't been out of school that long you can only go to one college at a time. That's that's still, like, a, a generally accepted principle. I mean, when I was enrolled uh, during the summer, sometimes I would audit, or not audit, but take uh, piecemeal class, uh, like, a la carte classes from uh, local universities. But I don't think you had to be accepted as a matriculating student to those no. universities to no, do no. this. So while this is a super awesome story, and I love... I love empowering and, like, amazing feats in this way. There is the why the fuck question involved here. Like, what does it really mean to be accepted to 113 universities? I don't know. It's a cool thing to brag about. It's definitely a cool thing to brag about. I I mean, so is, like, you know, so is being awarded, like, $4.5 million in you know, scholarship money. But again, you can't use all $4.5 million in scholarships, right? You can only use the money that you're actually paying for tuition, books, etc. Yeah, I mean, uh, 113 is definitely excessive. There's, like, no way that you needed that So much. is $4.5 million. Well, yeah, but I, I, I don't know, like... I, if it was that she got accepted to 20 schools and she had applied to 20, obviously 
some of those 20 she was never really going to consider in the first place, but, like, you wouldn't be like, this is insane. It's just the more extreme version of that. It's the, it's the way more extreme version. We're getting to the insane version of that. I mean, she applied to so many schools. But it's... I think effortlessly is the Oh, point. no, totally effortlessly. Yeah. Right, but so I, I almost wonder then, like, what... Could there be unintended consequences to this action? Like, could... could oh, you mean next year there well, are kids who will apply to a thousand schools? Oh, I'm not even this. saying that. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying could colleges could colleges now be looking at this amazing feat and be thinking, well, she did this effortlessly, and now, like, 112 colleges just accepted somebody who was never intending to go there well, no, anyway, no, and do we have to make this harder... Well, but she, but there, there were definitely, there were definitely 60 plus schools that she had never been to their website, I'm sure. Like, what I'll say is that I think she... That she doesn't even know what state they're necessarily in. I have no idea whether that's true. I will say that, uh, as far as, like, schools reacting to this, some of them might say, like, oh, this is a big news story, we don't want a whole rash of this, let's not... Let's take ourselves off the easy apply option, mm-hmm. right? Um, and other schools might be like, you know what? We don't get as many applications as we want. We want to be pulling from a larger pool, even if it's, you know, for whatever. And they'll leave themselves on. I I, I don't think it's going to have major consequences. I don't either. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to have any consequences. Again, I just think it's a fun story. But it, it but it would also be kind of, it would be fascinating to, 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 you know, wake up one day and find that actually they, they hated it. They, the, the institutions decided, you know what, fuck this. We never want this to happen again. We feel like we've been bamboozled. Well, no, I think the thing is like... The institutions don't mind, like, having gotten one extra application because someone did this. The right. risk is something like this being like, oh, you can do that. And, and then, everybody doing it. And right. then, you know, even, let's say, I don't know how many graduating seniors there are every year in the United States, but let's say there's three million. Mm-hmm. Does that seem fair? Sure. I mean, it's probably more than that, actually. It's probably four... I'm just thinking. Anyway, let's say let's say four plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, If even let's say two percent. Yeah. Of or let's just say one percent. Keep it simple. Yeah. Of that student body decides like, oh shit, I'm gonna take advantage of this too. Like, was that forty thousand kids? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And these schools, the ones that are on the easy apply, right? Like. They now maybe the kids don't apply to every single one of those, but still, like, if the schools on the easy apply are on average getting even ten thousand more applications oh than they're god. used to, oh my like, god, it just it's a lot. Of well, extra. well, right, and so and so then then I would be then I would start to worry about application fees <laughs> only because yeah. only because if we're saying then that these you you just you're you're talking about small schools that don't have a lot of money, that are, you know, public schools running on public funding, and now they suddenly have, yeah, 25,000 more applications than they're used to getting, and they have to hire, you know, three more part-timers or whatever to even sort through these things. Like, yeah, it, it could have that kind of consequence of now they're having to charge a fee. 
Yeah, yeah. Because they they just didn't. So have the real this danger before. is the article. It's not the feat. Oh no, it's not the feat. Of course. Well, right. But we right. We're bringing notoriety to it in writing about it, and we're it's not part a feat. Of the problem. But it's not. Oh well, we are. We're the media. But it's not a feat unless people know about it, right? If if a if a girl in North Carolina is accepted to 113 schools and nobody writes and talks about it, did it feat. make a sound? <laughs> did it did it matter at all? Like, was it really a thing? I imagine her and her family. But she still only goes to one school. Yeah. It's not like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but anyway, congratulations. Congratulations. Whose name evades me? I don't. I don't have her name either. Um, but she's awesome. She's definitely. And congrats to a new hero of mine. It sounds like you've got a cool new student. Definitely. Yeah, you got a cool new student. You got some great, great free advertisement out of this. So, you guys are winning. It's wins all around. I'm telling you, it's wins all around. Hey, and we're here with the newest edition of the Snack Report. Yeah, boy. Once again, we're dipping into the Triscuits Basket mm-hmm. uh, to try one of their uh, hot new flavors. So, Jillian, I, I was very excited when I found this, okay? It, it says new on the box, which, you know, I always love. It's not a limited batch or anything like that, uh, which I, I would have wet myself there in the supermarket. Um, this coming from, uh, I think I was on the Upper East Side, so, you know, you, you get a different quality of snack there, a different brand of Triscuit, basically. But this is this is a traditional Triscuit, but a new flavor um, and when I saw it, I thought this this could be a contender next year in the snack bracket right now based on title alone. And I thought of you immediately um, as a as a fan of the avocado toast, which you are. Yes, I am. Yes, and so this also if you're a fan of the hint of lime chip. Oh well, we're big fans of the hint of lime chip. So this and and hey, I'm I'm fan of anything with cilantro in it. So this is like triggering me. I'm so triggered on all levels. Oh, Would by you... the way, the flavor of this is <laughs> avocado, cilantro, and lime. Um, triscuits. Triscuits. Yes. Uh, so so right away, I mean, I picked it up. Uh, you know, even though I, I have a bag of snacks overflowing at home, uh, still waiting for for well, to be tried by one. you. Yeah, so please, please try one, and and I will try one as well. Now, so obviously we don't need to discuss, uh, you know, texture or anything like that, because it it is a classic Triscuit, right? Nothing nothing fancy, nothing changed there. Um, Now, I think my, my biggest fear of this Triscuit has been realized. Uh, which is that and it's underflavored? Well, it's definitely underflavored, but also that avocado itself is a hard flavor to capture, right? Um, because of in its it subtlety. As in, it tastes like its texture. Like if you don't have the texture of avocado, you really don't have an avocado. Period. So you were hoping for a soggy Triscuit? <laughs> no, it's not that I was hoping for a a smooth, you know, spreadable Triscuit um, or anything like that, but. To then pair avocado, which again lacks all flavor, with cilantro and lime, which are themselves pretty strong flavors, I, I just don't see it. Like, y- well, you, why make an avocado flavored anything? That's exactly what I'm saying, though. Right? You you you've just simply lost my trust because now 
I I don't I don't even believe that you attempted to flavor this thing avocado. What a violation. <laughs> what I what do they have to do to say it's avocado flavored? I, I you could literally no. come out with a with a, a a nacho ranch dorito tomorrow and say it's avocado flavor avocado and nacho ranch flavored. And I wouldn't be able to tell the difference because avocado has no flavor. Mm-hmm. So everything could technically be avocado flavored and we just don't know it yet. Like now I can't trust you anymore, Trisket. You know, they, they did me wrong with the lemongrass and ginger, right? Where I felt like I didn't get any lemongrass at all. It was all just ginger flavoring. And and here we go again. I, I you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm at a loss. I mean, they're fine. They're just not anything special. But here's the thing. Trisket keeps coming out with these things. And... Half of them are good and have plenty of flavor, like, you know, the black peppercorn, the the balsamic vinegar, the fig and honey, you know, which, which you know, made it to the final round of the snack bracket. Half of them are good, and half of them, it's like they didn't even fucking try at all. It, it's like there are two test kitchens at Trisket, one in which they actually use flavor and one in which they just try to rebrand, you know, the package and say, what do people want to hear is in their Trisket? And let's just hope that the placebo effect kicks in. And maybe I they'll wonder, think they're eating an avocado. I wonder, though, if the thing with Triscuits that we're not taking into consideration is their expectation that you eat them with things on it. And maybe they're like, oh, this is supposed to be like a hint that sits underneath whatever topping you want. Okay, so so to that end, I, I'd like to invoke the, the spirit of Tony from the Bronx here and ask you to take a look at the side of the box and let's look at the three steps to deliciousness that uh, that Trisket would have us employ. So it's spread on sriracha mayo. Uh-huh. Top with corn salsa. Uh-huh. Garnish with sliced jalapenos. So none of those things have anything to do with avocado. So it's not like they're saying we're we're the, giving you a hint food but we're giving you a hint of avocado and then we don't even want you to put avocado on it to get the actual texture. Just well, take this fucking air hint we've already and then add some salsa to that it. The avocado flavor does not really exist. So let's moving off of that. Just the cilantro and lime hint. It seems like they're asking us to do a lot of extra work to so get to deliciousness. So Three much. fucking steps? I'd rather just dip it in hummus. Isn't there a fucking, you know, super spicy hummus that I can dip it into and, and that'll do the job for me? Or, hell, come out with your own... Nabisco has to have a salsa brand out there, right? They should be asking us to pair it with a direct salsa brand from Nabisco. I mean, do I have to do your jobs for you people? Use actual flavors in your test kitchen and market your other products on the box. Don't just tell me, you know, I guess Sriracha is a brand, can so I, Sriracha Mayo, sure, but like, you know. I, I, the the thing that disappoints me about Trisket and their flavoring stuff, even the ones that are slightly more flavorful, the Trisket is actually a pretty perfectly designed cracker mm-hmm. to be utterly loaded with flavor loaded it's porous you could have dusting that goes deep 
But, of course, everything is just a hint. Julian, it's not just porous. It's porous. It also has grooves. It has natural yeah. grooves in it, too. Uh, you, you could have so much flavor on every strand of shredded wheat in this fucking thing. Like, I actually think about frosted mini-wheats, right? Which I think are the, the cereal equivalent of a Triscuit. Yeah. And I think about how well, well mini frosted mini-wheats... What? Mini-wheats. Well, mini-wheats are, right. But then frosted mini-wheats are the flavored Triscuit, right? What so, are the big ones called? The uh, big mini-wheats. Oh, I don't know. Are they just called wheats? I, no, no, no. I think they're called, like, big mini-wheats or something. Oh, like, yeah. I thought they were the original. That the big fat ones were the original, and then they came out with the mini-wheats. I, I went the other way with it. I think they reverse-engineered it. Just, oh. just in the same way that, like, Cheez-Its have a big Cheez-It. But it's not uh, like Big I, Cheese. It was the first, like how Crackle like, Note brand has big Crackle Note brands that are just acorn-sized hunks of like impossibly hard cereal. Dog, I love Crackle Note brand. I don't Wait, know no, what I it is say, about it. I Which one? Nuts. Did, oh, did, did you I say great? You said Crackle Note brand. Oh, I meant to say great. You meant to say great nuts. Yeah, I could tell by your description of it. But I love Crackle Note brand. I well, yeah. Do you want cookies? It's so good. In milk yeah, milk? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, soggy cookies. Uh, also, the same way that wheat thins were wheat thins first, but then they came out with wheat fats, you know, and that, that was just a genius direction for them to take. So, Julian, I, I generally hate to do this to you, um, but I think we're going to go news heavy this episode because I've got another article here that, that is just absolutely begging me to be read. If you hate to do it, why are you doing it? I'm doing it to you because I think I think you're I think you're gonna love it. I think you're actually going to enjoy this. I bet I'm not. Um, it comes to us from the Federalist, and the headline is "States' Rights, Baby." Five ways teacher strikes revealed public schools indoctrinate kids. This is by Jenny White. Uh, I'm gonna skip the preamble because I don't think Jenny says anything of interest there. Uh, and go right to the number one reason. I don't. I don't think it's top ten. I don't think that this is like the number one reason. But uh, this is one of the five reasons that she believes uh, schools indoctrinate students. Okay, number one. In no particular order. In no particular order. Fear of bullying shuts parents up. So she writes. Elizabeth Dyer told me that once classes had finally resumed after the strike lasted two full weeks with the end of school fast approaching, her teen sent her the following text from class. This is uh, on the heels of the Oklahoma strike. Quote, Our teachers ha just had us write a paper on our feelings about the walkout. I was floored, Elizabeth recounted. School was not the place for these emotionally charged political engagements. I'm actually going to stop there, Julian. Uh, is asking students to write their feelings about a walkout an emotionally charged political engagement? Yes. It is? I mean, it's emotionally charged and it's political. Well... I think I think that sharing your emotions or being given an outlet to vent, being given an outlet to vent, well, right. But I think I think that what Jenny wants us to read into this is like, how dare they ask students to side with the teachers or whatever the case? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the case that she wants to make. But I think that here, 
teachers were actually giving the students an opportunity to voice their own opinion in a totally legitimate way. And instead, like I said, Jenny wants us to read into it that they were being forced to write positive things about the walkout. Oh, she's still that bitch. That fucking bitch. Um, enough with Elizabeth. Then Jenny starts to write in her opinion about this. How many parents have the guts to confront a teacher or administrator knowing the propensity for blowback on their child is high? What parent wants to have an ideological disagreement with their child's teacher, especially when an emotional confrontation is possible? And what about the students? What about the children? Learning cannot possibly result when the authority figure in the room champions one side of an issue, leaving kids scared to be ostracized for their views among their peers, uncomfortable for their grades, and nervous to tell parents about classroom deviations from familial norms. So I I, I just want to ask you, Julian, did you ever find yourself ever, 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 ever disagreeing with a teacher as a student? Yeah. And how, how did you live with yourself? How, how, how alienating or isolating was that for you? Because Jenny would have us believe that having any kind of disagreement at all with your teacher is so impossible to hold that idea in your head and still get learning done at the same time. Did you, did you face that issue? Were well, you stunted in your potential for growth because... Your teacher had an opinion that was different from yours. My teacher was mostly that homework is lame and school drools. And so I do think (laughs) in a certain way my holding that opinion uh, definitely hindered my ability to educate myself. Had your teacher expressed their own opinion that homework rocks and school rules? Or was it just like a a policy thing you think? They they had personally said that. They were like, homework... (laughs) Is dope. All the cool celebrities do it. Hang ten and do it, baby. Um, also, and I'm just going to speak for myself, uh, from a teacher's perspective, I've had plenty of parents approach me and my administrators about shit they think is wrong without any regard whatsoever for blowback on their children. Nor should I think they have any regard for blowback on their children because no, you should people, really take it out on them. Because things. people in, in these positions don't want to think, oh, you know what? Your your father is an asshole, so I'm going to teach you less than all the rest of the students. That's just not how people who go into teaching think at all. No, no. Um, all right, moving on to number two. Number two. The system undermines parental authority. So here, Jenny writes, Sam Sorbo, home education advocate and author of They're Your Kids, says, quote, With the first note sent home, Mommy, teacher says you have to sign this. Suddenly, the parent is under the authority of the school. So if it comes to a battle between the teacher's rules or the parents, the teacher is already in a superior position. I'm actually going to stop reading there. So, Jenny is now quoting from a a home education advocate. So, this is already somebody who has decided to step out from public education altogether. Is the argument here the fact that, like, kids can't go on field trips unless parents sign a permission slip makes yes. the school more powerful yes. than the parents? He, he literally... the opposite? He literally believes that schools are taking rights away from parents 
by and, and and not just rights, but then then are putting themselves in positions of power by asking parents to sign things. Mm. Um, yeah, he's a fucking idiot. And and again, as a teacher, I'm gonna cite the number of times when I have been told by children, "I'm gonna tell my daddy on you," as proof. That children will never, ever, 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 ever see teachers or principals as being above their parents. It's simply not possible. In, in, a, in the human condition, your parents come above your teachers, your principals, your bosses, and probably the President of the United States, too. Like, that's just a thing. Cool. Okay. Um... I'm, I'm actually going to skip the rest of that one, because I don't think there's anything else to say that. Uh, number three, schools can circumvent parents easily. Now, this one, this one is interesting. She writes, Jenny writes, Andrea Robinson's daughter, Brooke, is a junior at a large suburban high school. In my last article for The Federalist, I described how she received a communist-appearing poster about a student rally in support of the teacher walkout from her school. She told her mom teachers were offering extra credit to students who attended. When I, quote, when I questioned her about this, she messaged a few students to see which teachers were offering the extra credit. By the time, by this time, no student would speak up about it, Andrea said. The app through which Brooke receives communications directly from her history teacher is called Remind 101. Although the website makes it clear that it's to be used for communications between the school and parents, and that permissions must be obtained from parents for its use, it never specifies that parents have access to the app if kids use it. In addition, Remind 101 is clear that data collective collection via the app is ongoing. So, all right, I, I actually think that Jenny might have a few points here. One, it's probably not a good idea for teachers to be offering extra credit for going to walkouts. But is that a thing that we know is actually true? No. Because nobody verified it. No, we absolutely don't have any information about that. Um, so it's probably a made-up thing. Um, the other thing I would say here is, I mean, it's kind of janky if, if parents aren't given access to this app. But again, as you pointed out, that's just this one parent's uh, report that they don't have access to this app, or at least don't be, even have access, or don't don't know how to gain it. Could be a murderer. That parent could be the BTK killer, for all we know. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I was going to give her the benefit of the doubt on this one, but, again, yeah. yeah. If you don't have parents or... Uh, sorry, if you don't have teachers or other students saying that extra credit was actually offered, then uh, you probably made it up. Number four... Youth protests galvanize them against authority. Now, this is a problem, because we have to watch out about the youth protesting against authority. We never want that to happen. So now from Jenny. Uh, not long into the teacher walkout, I received a link to a video of a 17-year-old girl being interviewed by a local reporter as she agitated for teacher raises at the state capitol. Quote, He shut me up, the teen said of her state representative with the sardonic air of one grievously wronged he shut me up and told me that my per my perception would change in the future so that i didn't really need to be educated on it school funding currently she shared with the a reporter quote i just felt a little bit demeaned 
He treated me as uh, he treated me not as if I were someone who would be voting in November, but as if I were a child. I feel like that was really disrespectful. Another reader sent me a link to an organization called Generation Citizen, which has a local in Oklahoma. Here are a few of their missions to lower the voting age to 16 and to engage in advocacy and policy work building demands for building demand for action civics. Uh, so uh, Jenny's trying to make the point here that, I don't know, God damn these kids, like, is she a Scooby-Doo villain? And we would have gotten away for it if it weren't for these bastard kids getting their voices heard. Also, I, I actually like the voting age down to 16. I mean, I, I think, I think 18 year olds are Oh, no, I think 18-year-olds are definitely too dumb to vote. But that being said, I think that they have as much, if not more, of, uh, of, uh, of, a, of a share in our future as a country than anybody else, right? They're theoretically going to be here for longer of what goes on in it than we will. So, yeah, I mean, if it were up to me, I think the voting age should probably be uh, 25, just because that's when most men's brains finally connect to their spinal columns. Oh, you but mean only men should be allowed to vote? No, no, no. Or women can no, vote No, I think 18. women can vote at 18 and men can vote at 25. That's I, fair. I think that that makes perfect sense. Um, and anything else is barbaric. Um, but so if, if that's not going to be the case, then I, I think that teens, you know, who... I, I, look, I think, I think also the argument against teen voting has always been that they'll just vote along with their parents. And so that whatever the dominating culture, whatever the dominating political view is already, will just become more extreme because the the you know 2.5 kids in that atom- in that nuclear household, you know, for which the woman is already voting along with the man, well now all those votes are just going to that single party. But I don't think that's true. I think that actually you know, especially in the age we live in now. I don't know much now. about voting age policy, but I don't know if that's a widely held belief. Is it? Oh, I think it's absolutely a widely held belief. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know if the reason is that they don't want some kind of, you know, you know, empire party to establish in that way that I, you know, made it a fear of that happening, but... I, I do think it is it is about, you know, then parents basically just pressuring their children to vote one one direction or another. Um, anyway, what are you going to do? Uh, protest. Number five, obstruction of parents' rights. Cynthia Heil, whose sixth grader attends school in a town just north of Oklahoma City, explained, quote, My preference is that my child knows nothing about the strike or walkout. But we weren't given that option. Well, yeah, because how the fuck are you going to keep your kid from knowing about a walkout that's keeping them out of school? That's ignorant. Yeah, I, I think your preference Tell them is... it's a snow day. Your preference is probably also that your children have never, like, don't know that black people exist and are quote-unquote colorblind, but I think that's going to be a tough one, too. Um, I continue, or she continues. But we weren't given that option. It was preempted. My response that day, that first day of the walkout, would have been, 
You don't have school because grown-ups are trying to work out a lot of complicated issues, and until they do, we won't know when you go back to school. Cynthia finishes with a sentiment many parents echoed during the walkout. Quote, I did not want my child used in any form of leverage legislatures. This is not an honest debate of facts. Although Oklahoma has a Parental Rights Act, many parents appear ignorant of their rights or afraid to claim them when confronted with a school hierarchy that seems bent on willfully ignoring them. After all, wasn't it Melissa Harris-Perry who told us, quote, we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to the families and kind of recognize that kids belong to whole communities? Who could blame anyone for being confused? I, I don't even know what Jenny's getting at here. Neither do I. She is completely lost. I mean, she, she seems to be trying to make a point that Kids should be in the dark and and not understand the political realm that they live in at all. But again, these are, we're supposing, students going to public schools, which are themselves already a political facet because they are a government agency. So how can you ignore that and, or, or try to hide it from them? Yeah, please. Please. Uh, Federalist, you done done it again. You killing us with this. Oh, but Julian, I did want, before I lose your attention completely on this one, to add the, uh, the author's note at the bottom. Jenny White is Education Director for Reclaim Oklahoma Parent Empowerment. Um, their Twitter handle is at RopeOK. Which, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, should probably be called at Robodope, uh, because they're dopes. Solid. <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that well crafted. Burnomatic there. Thought about that one all night. Uh, Jenny, get your fucking head out of your ass. I don't have any top fives to give you, so I think maybe that means our episode's done. I think so. I think so. Also, oh, I think... Sorry, something got delivered. Uh, some ice cream got delivered. Oh, some ice cream. Special yeah. special ice cream delivery I here feel like at the Brooklyn Studios. It should have required a signature because so, it's frozen. Yeah, J-Man's gonna go check on the, the frozen ice cream down at the at the stoop. It's my partner's favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a special thing. Um, so, that, that is gonna do it, but before we go, I do want to mention that this was not a top five reasons, uh, again, that public schools are indoctrinating children. This was actually the bottom five. Jenny, you, you really fucked up. You, you really got terrible, terrible intel on this one, and, uh, you wrote a poorly worded blog. Uh, so, that's gonna do it for us on the Dull Crayons. Uh, Julian has, uh, been your co-host, and he's at the ice cream stoop right now, and, uh, I, of course, have been Gabriel Zuger, and, uh, we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening. As always, do write to your local congressperson and tell them to, um, listen to the fucking dull crayons, uh, tell your teachers, tell your principals, tell your kids, hide your wife, and, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.